When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And it's great to have your company as we look back on the weekend's racing. I'm Mr. Kennedy. I've got Paddy Aspel from TalkSport 2 alongside me. Paddy, great to have you with us again on the final furlong. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Evan. How are you doing? I'm in good form, my man. Um, probably enjoyed watching the racing more so than had I actually been there. Um, particularly if it was Ascot on, on Saturday. I would have really liked to have been a punches down, but the back wasn't playing ball with me, so that was that ruled out, but terrific card. Uh, but Saturday's racing really fell apart. Look, we've got some great horses to look back on and plenty to discuss, but the obvious talking point is Ascot on Saturday. As a former jockey, what did you make of how things unfolded, and was that ground unsafe to run horses on on Saturday? Do you understand why the connections took those horses out? Well, I suppose the first thing to say, Emmett, is that Straight away, we were on the back foot on Friday, weren't we, when we heard this chat about possibly watering the ground for Saturday's meeting. You know, alarm bells were ringing straight away. And I think it was, for me personally, I thought it was a case of if, not when, Constitution Hill was going to be pulled out. And I'm just looking at the going description now. I mean, good, good to soft in places, watered. Um, I mean, look, unless you were there and walked the track yourself physically and, and, and had your stick in the ground all the way around it, we're all only guesstimating, aren't we? But there's no doubt on the day it was disappointing. You know, to think in the middle of November we're, we're looking at, at walkovers and just non-events, really. It was disappointing. You would have been absolutely devastated if if you'd shell the money out and you were travelling on the day and made arrangements and for sure it was it was, it was a bit of a blowout. But, you know, I, I do like to, to always look at it a bit of a glass half full. For me, if it's still horse racing and we're still seeing some good ones, um, I'm, I'm happy to, to go with that. But, yeah, I, I definitely think because we do get very excited about seeing these good ones and Constitution Hill, because of the numbers he, he simply put up, um, it, you know, we're keen to get a look at them and obviously we lost Edwardstone as well, but I definitely think Nicky took plenty of the flack when, you know, we've got to say that, that Alan King's got plenty of previous in this department as well, hasn't he? But, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's, that's just, just um, the, the way things are now. But, yeah, it was definitely a, a bit a bit underwhelming for sure, wasn't it? So Paul Nichols gave that terrific interview to Ollie Bell, and Ollie Bell was quite emotional in that as well. Like He said, but we're trying to promote the sport. And you could hear it in his voice, the frustration. And it was it was very clear from ITV's coverage that they were incredibly frustrated with what was going on. Um, but 
Paul Nichols said, some people don't like running. The ground is not that bad at Ascot. Sometimes you've got to take the wraps off these horses. You don't win races sitting in your stables, but everybody's entitled to their opinion. Paul Nichols himself had taken a horse out of the walkover race. Keldestan came out. Um, he pulled Brave Man's Game from the now Brown Advisory. And I, I get the reasons why he did that. But there is no love lost between Paul and, and Nicky Henderson. For all that people will try and make it, oh yeah, the two boys are good for No, that's a proper rivalry. And he does like to pull the pin on the grenade every now and again. And for all that he did have an on-runner on the card, I I love the fact that he was doing this. And I was reaching for the popcorn. Uh, what did you make of his comments? Yeah, no, certainly. Yeah, it's it's good. It's good entertainment, isn't it? And well, I think you've got to take your hat off to Nichols. He does seem an awful lot keener to roll the dice than you know some of his his fellow trainers. I think that's fair to say. And I mean, look, I know he did take the horse out of the um the the, the race that he ended up getting the walkover in. Um, but I think uh, when you look at the bare numbers, he certainly rolls the dice far more than, than some of his, his, his fellow trainers. and But I think the fact that, you know, plenty of mud sticks now as far as Henderson goes with, with, with nuns and it always just seems to be looking for a reason not to run rather than to run uh, mm. with the seven barrows for me. Uh, so I think that's maybe why plenty of the negativity goes that way. Um, you know, I mean, I even seen watching a rerun of the, of the, the Sunday debate there, you know, already he's, he's, he's talking about, you know, ground possibilities up at Newcastle saying they've not had a lot of, you know, that they're watering or whatever. And oh, so, yeah, I, I, I think just a little bit too quick to, to pull out the old, you know, oh, hang on a second sort of thing. And, and, and you've all, you've, so you, then you're always dubious as to, to the decision he's going to come to, but yeah, it's, it's certainly um, makes for good entertainment, doesn't it? It does, but that's a very good point to make, though, about Nichols that it's about Henderson that it's almost gone the, the other way between those two. Paul is more willing to run for all that he obviously has non-runners for various different reasons, but he's far more willing to to run, and he will have known just how much prize money his connections and and he will have been getting on Saturday in that walkover race too. Um, he's he's more prepared to to roll the dice, whereas that comment you made about Henderson that he's almost looking for an excuse to run as opposed to looking for an excuse to not run. That's a very accurate thing to say, I, I would mm. think. That, that is how it, it's been playing out. And look, we've said that for years on the Final Four long. I mean, Mark was dubious that Constitutional was going to turn up at all in the preview show. That was Thursday. Thursday, he was like, uh, is, is, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it kind of thing. Um, and now we're listening to to his various ideas as to what's what they're going to do next with him. Because at the end of the day, this is this is a disaster for the trainers as well. If you've if you've an intended prep run, like a seasonal reappearance for a horse, and you then have to take that horse out of that race, that's a major logistical issue. You've now got to go find another race. And they will almost certainly have backup plans. But it's not ideal. And for Nikki to start talking about, well, we could go to Ireland at Christmas time. That's great. Do it. Do it. Michael Buckley has already said it. Let's go. Come over to Ireland. R- race in the grade one at Christmas time at Leopardstown uh, over two miles. There'll be no honeysuckle. Yeah, roll for it. Go for it. But I, I don't believe that's going to happen for a second. But it's like, yeah, come on over. We'll be delighted to have you, Nikki. But I, I don't see that happening. Um, 
And it's it's far from that's two races Edward Stone has now missed out on. Uh, and Lompress obviously missed his race as well. And what we were left with then at Ascot on Saturday was 30, well, my count at the time was 35. I think we had 33 run on the day. 33 horses running in seven races. A quick comparison with 2019, that card had 56 horses running. There were four races on that card where you could have a bet each way, one, two, three. You were only getting two of those races from the seven race card. One was not even a race. And the other was a straight up match, which was a bit of a farce. So I know people who were there and they would have preferred it if it had been cancelled. They would have preferred if they were just told, like a good friend of mine said, because I, I challenged him on it. I was like, you must have enjoyed something. Like Goshen winning must have been good to watch. And and his point was, yeah, it was. And we could have watched it on ITV. We could have watched it on Sky. We could have been in a pub or in a restaurant and had a nice day just hanging out there together. Instead, we've paid to go to a race course where you want to see racing, you want to see horses running, and they weren't. The three horses that they came to see, if one of them had come out, that would have been disappointing for all three to be gone, was was a bit farcical. And I guess the overall question then, Paddy, is is this just something that was completely out of the clerk of the course hands? Was, was this just a freak incident that it's been unseasonably dry, and because of that, no blame can go to Ascot's case. It's just one of those things. Or is there something more at play? Um, I think it's probably fair to say it's it's the whole... Uh, I'd be happier to put it down to the more unseasonable thing. The, the ground, it just seems absolutely bottomless as far as getting some water, getting the ground to hold some water. Um, you know, it just seems to be lapping it up and as, as uh, almost as quick as what they're applying it, you know, it just seems to be evaporating. So it's a bit of a, it's, it's a bit of a vicious circle. It seems at the minute for for clerks of the course to try and have ground safe and reasonable and consistent. And I'm sure it's very frustrating. You know, there's no doubt. You know, it's not for um, you know neglect or or they're they're just not really trying hard enough. I definitely, just think. It's the summer that we've had, and and unfortunately, the the, the ground is it's, it's it's mother nature. It's got to compensate. It's got to get the water from somewhere, and and everything that it is getting, it's just hanging on to, and um, you know, and 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 using it. So unfortunately, the the ground is taking an awful lot more time. And even you know, we've seen the likes of market raising the other day when the rain does arrive so quickly and so much of it in in such a short space of time. Um, you know, it's it's literally just skating across the, the the top of the surface. I mean, I've never seen water like that in the paddock at Market Raisin. Even the outside of the weighing room was flooded because, you know, the, the water just wasn't soaking away quick enough because you're still dealing with very dry ground. It's, it's just incredible, really. That's bonkers. Do you fear for Newbury and Newcastle both this weekend then, for a repeat this weekend, or... Is this going to be consigned to history? Well, I mean, where I am, I'm probably maybe, say, 40 minutes a bit more from Newcastle. And we have had a lot of rain. We've not had any rain maybe for a couple of days, but we had two days of solid, solid rain. And, and you know, although even driving up to driving up along the A1, the, the fields are absolutely underwater. So 
I mean, I'm I'm convinced that Newcastle have got to have some reasonable ground at the minute. I say we have had a couple of of dry days. Newbury, honestly, I don't know, but I mean, when we seen them horses, Nicky's horses um, galloping around there just the other morning, I mean, it was absolutely lashing down with rain, and you know, you, you could hear because you know some of the guys who were who were taking footage of the gallopers that morning, you know, they were pretty close to the action, and you could you could hear. The, the underfoot conditions so you know you'd like to think even that ground there should be somewhere safe and reasonable but it's a bit of serious guessing game for, for people at the minute Keep hope alive keep hope alive for the weekend I'm looking forward to previewing the Hennessy and the Fighting Fifth and all of the other supporting races as well of course uh, Ferry House is not far away either so there's some great racing to look forward to I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, let's look back so at the highlights of what we saw from the weekend and... It's going to be a massive slice of humble pie for me here, Petty. A gigantic slice of humble pie for me to consume here as Protectorat galloped them into submission in the Bedfair chase. Oh, oh dear. Um, I'll, I'll let you talk first and then I'll have a slice of this. Uh, this is the, the sixth running of this race since 2012 with a field of five or less. So despite all of the conversations about that, um, this is just the kind of field that the Bedfair chase attracts and a Plutard was obviously incredibly underwhelming and no reason has come to light as to why he was so poor but you can't take anything away from Protectorat he was third in the Gold Cup last year I didn't really see it with him um, I didn't see him being able to to be dominant in a grade one this year uh, but he is forcing me into a slice of humble pie at the very start of the show so what did you make of Protectorat's bet fair chase win oh this tastes vile Oh, God. On you go, <laughs> Yeah, no, I thought, look, visually, it was very, very taken. I mean, Protectorat, that's just what he does, isn't it? He, he's a smooth traveller. He fences well. He was coming here coming here off the, the back of a wind up. And I know we use this this quote an awful lot, but Dan Skelton, I think, is a fantastic target trainer. I think with his better ones... It, it, it seems to me he has a real what's what's the word to use? He really looks at how the Irish do it, and he thinks that that they they're better set up as regards the, the horses they've got to go to war with um, stuff like that. So he te- he he tends to look for the best angle to how to beat the Irish and and to to prolong your horse's season. Um, so he uses his bullets very very wisely. And he's got, he's got plenty of horses that are in the same sort of you'd say they're, they're in they're in the same boat that they're strong travellers they put a lot into the races so he can't go to the well with them too often I'd kind of put Protectorat in that sort of in that sort of bracket also his um, his other good horse that he ran last week um, what's his good horse by uh, Nuba Negra you know they, they, these horses that put a lot into the races they're strong travellers bold jumpers and you know so you just can't 
go to the well with them that often. So he's going to have to choose his targets very, very wisely. But I think we forget maybe that protector rat's only a seven-year-old. You know, there's still an awful lot of miles left to be played with this guy. But, I mean, look, obviously, absolutely tired. You could see that the right was on the wall from a fair way down. You know, Rachel was giving him plenty of room, but he never even ran into the race or looked like getting involved. And, and she was always just tap, tap, tap down the shoulder. And she hung on to him for as long as she could. But once they turned in and Harry put his foot on the gas and they got going for home, Rachel had no choice but to ask him. She just couldn't hang on any longer. But his race was over very, very quickly. Um, interesting that connections haven't come up with any sort of reason or explanation for, for why he's bombed out maybe you know just like ourselves you know we just some days we're, we're just not up for it and, and um, it's, it's not happening but that was a rare blip for Aplutard and you know this trend continues with Aplutard he's never won two races back to back it's incredible when you look down through his form but generally they've been one twos one twos but yeah, I had a P to that the other day which was unfortunate I thought Eldorado Allen ran a cracker in second uh, Joe Tizard really has always held his horse in high regard and look although he was no match for protector at I thought he went down on a sword Bristol Demoy it just actually showed you that the ground on the day was actually a little bit better than what we we're anticipating with yeah. all the rain we've had you know um, I think and, and, and Dar Jacob who had a winner in Ireland yesterday he, when he was asked about him he did say that afterwards that he thought Bristol Demoy ran his race but because maybe the ground wasn't as soft as what they were thinking, or maybe as soft as what he would like it, them them younger horses just sort of had the legs of them um, in the finish. Um, and then obviously Frodon ran, ran his, I suppose, reasonable race, but he, he was beaten nearly distance, as was Bristol de Mai. But yeah, b- big day for the, for the skeletons and a big scalp for them, uh, I, I think it's fair to say. And, and interesting where where he's going to go next protector at. Yeah. Um, I wonder, would they would they roll for the King George? With them, or or is it now a case of just that's kind of done? I mean, I, I can't underestimate this horse again. Although I I do, I do wonder if this time of year just really suits him. If um, and I take on board everything you said about Bristol de May, but if soft ground and this time of year is ideal, because this replicates what he did at Aintree last year. But yet, when it came to Cheltenham and and the Aintree Festival, the Grand National Festival, he just wasn't able to lay a glove on on those really. Good horses. He's finished third in the Gold Cup, but he was a long, long way behind a Plutard. I just wonder if this time of year swings things more in his favour. I think it, it's interesting. David Russell made a good point, didn't he, when he was asked about about this horse, and he thought that maybe Dan Skelton should keep him a bit busier and, and turn up to all the gigs that you know are, are suitable for him to run in because because of the way he goes through his races. Strong traveller, good jumper, um, and the way he travels into his races, even if he does come up a little bit short at the death, he's going to be bang there and pick up some tidy prize money despite even not winning. But for me, I mentioned a, a minute ago, um, that doesn't really seem to be Dan Skelton's makeup. He likes to try and prolong the season for these horses as much as he can, but obviously he's going to be going for big targets and these big targets take an awful lot out of these better horses. So he's he, he hasn't actually got that many bullets to fire with each of these better horses. Yeah, that's a very, that's a really good way of describing it too. That's an eloquent, eloquent way of describing his mindset and his ideas for, for training. And look, the guy has had phenomenal success and he will continue to have phenomenal success. So whatever they decide to do with Protectorette, um, King George is apparently 
off the table for him. Uh, so it would be more than likely Linkfield uh, or po- possibly the Cotswold chase that they would look for uh, next time out. But terrific stuff. And he's won the race several times as an assistant trainer, but to win it as a trainer in his own right with his brother obviously meant the world to him. Um, he won't go for the King George, but Hitman will. Not a stable companion, but an ownership companion. Uh, it was a great day at Haydock for Sir Alex Ferguson and the fellow Messers. And look, he was expected to win this. And he's done so. Um, Paul Nichols was very bullish about him for the King George, I thought, in, in his comments afterwards. He had to remind himself that he's Brave Man's game as well, but he's got a phenomenal record in the King George. Can Hitman add to that? Uh, what did you make of his performance in the Betfair graduation chase? Yeah, really, really good, Emmett. And it was interesting here because you could tell, even from the way they were walking down at the start, that Brian Hughes was going to drop in Manila Drama, which to me was a surprise because I know he, he checked out pretty quickly back at Carlisle on his comeback, but I thought he shaped really well that day. And I bet for a few strides, he would have been very short in running Manila Drama. Yeah. And I thought with that run under his belt, you know, he's won round the track. I, he was he was my real danger um, going into the race. But having watched some of the action throughout the afternoon, I thought, God, this ground isn't as bad as what I was expecting. And if you look at Hitman, when he has managed, because I've also labelled him, I thought he lacked a little bit of grain and, and, and a bit of a bit of metal maybe to, um, when, when the chips were down and things got pretty tough. And uh, going into Saturday, I was thinking, for oh, heavy Haydock ground, not really sure that it would be Hitman's bag, uh, to be honest. Um, just wasn't really sure if he was wrong for the trenches. But because the ground was still pretty reasonable and connections, if you look at his form, they went back to his winning tactics Rather than giving him something that he's got to been asked to pass, they just pop him out in front so that he doesn't have to pass any horses. And so they went back to all tactics the other day and got into a lovely rhythm. And he was never in any danger whatsoever. I mean, because Earn River, he's run a solid race in, in behind, but Earn River, he's got this habit that he jumps almost, he's got that French technique. He's low, he only does just the bare minimum to get over his fences. And over a period of the the, the the distance of a race, that uses petrol. You know, he's gone nearly two miles, six there on river. And he uh, all he, he barely just picks his front feet up and, and, and drags the rest behind, um, which is all well and good. You think you're saving petrol. But when you're brushing through every fence over over two miles, six, three mile, in the end, that's going it, to, it's, it's going to tell. And that's what he did. He, look, he, he he ran a pretty a pretty um, a pretty honourable race, but you just at this level you can't do that. In the end, he was a well beaten second. Milena Drama never really featured, and I think if you just look at the current numbers, Donald McCain's winners have dry, have just steadied up a little bit. Yeah, um, they're not they're not running badly. They're not dropping out the back of the telly, so you can't say that they, these, these horses are wrong. But the winners, it's there in black and white. The numbers stack up. They're just not winning as regular as what they were, say, a month ago. Um, you know, he's had, he's had, he's had an, an incredible few months. But the winners have just slowed down a little bit. I think it's it's fair to say. So maybe it was, in the end, I won't say a soft race, but everything dropped lovely for Hitman. But he was just far too good on the front end, got into that lovely rhythm. And, you know, he was a pleasure to watch. 
Um, but but for me, I definitely think he's a better horse on on some nice ground as he showed again on on Saturday. The numbers really do stack up. What you're saying, by the way, it's seven days since he's trained a winner, um, and he's only had three winners from 32 runners, which is a nine percent strike rate. And earlier in the year, you could very confidently point to to him and Fergal O'Brien and David Pipe, who were banging in the winners over the summer and starting the new season. Um, since then, David Pipe has continued to bang in the winners, so has Fergal O'Brien, and, and it's just eased off a little bit for Donald. So we'll, we'll see how that pans mm-hmm. out. I mean, he's a terrific trainer, and it's probably just a swing. And I have to eat humble pie again later on when we start talking about Felicia Williams. Oh, dear. But um, yeah, definitely something to consider. Would you be tempted in backing... Hitman for the King George as a viable alternative to Braveman's game. Well, he's he, he to me he looks that type of horse, Emmett. You know, he's a big, tall horse, but good, strong traveler. He's not a slow boat. He's a ball jumper, but he's quick on his feet and just doesn't appear to lack gears. So I would have no qualms at all about that sort of a target for the likes of him. And yeah, just you know, but I, I definitely think he is to be seen at his best for me ground dependent I, I i just think really winter conditions might just sort of wouldn't play to his to to his biggest strengths for me but off the back of that the other day if they had some some reasonable ground i think he would he would definitely be bang there for me in a race like that yeah i completely agree with you and I'm becoming tempted by him, but the only thing that's stopping me from having a bet on him is ground conditions. I would want to see what King George week is going to be like and what the conditions are going to be like on the day. We do have this gamble that has suddenly appeared on Gallop and Deschamps, but from what I've heard, and we are very much playing William Mullins Bingo here, which we played on Thursday's show and got wrong as we guessed who was going to line up in the Moigiana hurdle. And uh, I, I think I think Mark was right. I was very wrong. Um, my Sir Gerard addiction could could come back to haunt me, but um, the impression that I've gotten and what I've heard is that Galpin de Champ isn't going to, to Kempton. He's going to go to Tremor and will replace um, Album Photo in the Savills mm-hmm. New Year's Day chase, and that makes perfect sense to go there. But he's going to run beforehand. He's going to get him out somewhere between now and then, and then run him New Year's Day. The King George isn't really on the on the mindset. Um, so I'm not sure why that gamble hasn't, but look, anti-post betting, I think if someone has a euro on now, a horse gets caught at this stage, but I, I would see Hitman as a viable alternative and it's, it's going to be fascinating to see. Q Gallop on Deschamps turning up and winning by 10 lengths and he is, for the record, one of my favourite horses. Uh, speaking of Willie Mullins bingo, Moigiana Hurdle, uh, we have a champion hurdle contender and it's not the one I wanted in Sir Gerard. Um, We'll have to wait and see what the plan is with him, but my 22-1 is now suddenly in trouble. Uh, so Stateman wins as a long odds-on favourite, beating stable companions Charja and Saldier, uh, former winners of the race, a 1-2-3 for Willie. Jesse Evans was well beaten in the end. Um, what did you make of Stateman's champion hurdle credentials in the Moigiana? Uh, I thought, look, he couldn't really do much more than what was awesome, to be honest. Um, like Willie said himself, as regards... Charger, he, he was a little bit underwhelmed with how he ran on the day. Um, but look, the, these horses, when they're sent off very short prices and obviously the reputation is growing, it just becomes far, far more easier 
to pick holes and to crib them. Um, but, you know, the top but the bottom of it is that, you know, Stateman won at Cheltenham off a mark now that, you know, it just looks incredible um, that this horse, say, six months ago, seven months ago, was contesting handicaps. Um, you know, he won by four lengths, um, you know, I think Sharjah, he's rising 10. He's a very, very capable horse and, and, and on a go one day. And Patrick knows him so well. And I wouldn't really say that yesterday was was one of his, his better days. But that's not Stateman's fault. He ended up getting the job done. I thought Paul Townend visually after, you know, he, he, he looked more than happy with the horse. And yeah, I just think it gets far, far too easy to create these horses when they're sent off at, at Skimby Islands like what he was. I mean, he was a massive talking horse, wasn't he? Probably the, one of the biggest talking horses going into this year's festival. And, you know, he's, he's still only five. Very, very low mileage state, man. Um, so it was, yeah, box ticked and, and onwards and upwards. But, you know, even from entry stage, it was a little bit disappointing, obviously, wasn't it? That it looked like, you know, Willie was saying he was going to maybe run all six in the end he didn't but um it, it didn't it didn't really get your get your your pulse racing but nonetheless he, he got the job done and i'm sure they'll they'll go onwards from here yeah i mean he's a very likely resource he's only had five starts for willie mullins six in his life from his his old days back in france uh and the handicapper really had had an impossible task on his hand uh, at Cheltenham mm. because he'd only had two runs one of them he'd fallen and he was sevens on, literally, for his win. So my fear with him was that because he was becoming such a short prize, was this could be Saint Roy all over again, like a stylish winner of the county hurdle, the world is, is his oyster kind of thing, and he just doesn't quite get there. It's a big difference between what you're doing in handicaps to going into grade one company. Well, I was very pleased with that. I, I thought that was a really likable performance. As Willie said afterwards, his jumping would need to improve for sure, and he's going to work on that. Um, I'm not falling over myself to back him, but I wouldn't want to lay him. No, no. Um, no, I think that's that, that, that's a fair shout. And it was just one of them races on the day where it's not going to live long in the memory, but, you know, he still continues to win. And, you know, if, if he can win with his trainer saying that he's got a hurdle better um, and you know it was an okay performance. Oh, I think we're, um, we're we're probably not doing so bad. Yeah, exactly. And and well done again to Unibet for naming the race in honor of Analog's daughter, um, Michael Rafferty, who who passed away. I thought that was a, a really nice touch. So well done to them for doing that, and uh, and well done to Willie Mullins on a successful completion of Willie Mullins Bingo on a one two three again. That's not the first time he's done that in the Moggiana hurdle. Um, here's another slice of humble pie for me. It's just Has the show been structured deliberately this way to just make me eat all the humble pie at the start? Everything that I got wrong. Fontaine Collange was a confident tip from Mark Milligan. Goes and wins uh, at Haydock. I was quite nervous about Venetia Williams' stable form. That was her first winner of the season. And she's had another winner since, who we'll talk about a little bit later on, because I'm very impressed by the um, UK debut from her runner uh, at Exeter on Sunday. But Fontaine Clange was terrific. Uh, Tom Scudamore was excellent on him. I don't know why it took so long for the photo finish to be announced. Uh, I thought it was pretty clear that Fontaine Clange had won. But what did you make of Venetia Williams' first winner of the season in the handicap chase at Haydock at 3.35 on Saturday? 
Yeah, first winner, I think, since the end of April, Emmett, wasn't it? Um, you know, I mean, look, we don't, we don't even associate Venetia uh, as as a as an operator through the summer. It's just not how how she does things. But I was in the Fontaine Colons camp. Um, I've got to say because I looked through her numbers and I just found it interesting because although she wasn't getting one over the line as regards a winner in the past 14 days, eight or nine of them had hit the frame. Yeah. And a few, of them, a few of them were very well backed. Um, mm. So, you know, it, it, it did appear that the bulk of them were appearing to need their comeback run, but they were still actually running okay and hitting the frame. And so, yeah, I was delighted to see Fontaine Colons managed to get the job done. And I was in agreement with you. I mean, you know, I, I, I thought as soon as they went past the line, I wasn't really sure what the what the photo delay was all, all about. Um, but it really was strange. There's no doubt. Were they trying to convince themselves that, that Venetia had actually had a winner? Was, that, was it more so than, than the, the photograph? Um, this can't be right. Just no. the winners in April. Are we sure? Yeah. They the, the, the probably the, they were looking at their stats and, and they'd, they'd forgotten that a photo was to call. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a funny one. Um, but I thought the big breakaway, he was the danger because he he, he was always maybe entitled to come back and run a, a, a screamer here, as, as so many of, of Joe Tizards are doing um, in their, their, their comeback runs this time. And they were miles clear of another horse, which I was chuffed a bit, actually backed each way because he's as slow as a wet week, is rapper. But he keeps going, and unfortunately, he just got squeezed out of it, um, turning out of the back straight, and his rider has had to take his medicine and sit and suffer. And I think without that, he'd have finished a very close third. He wouldn't have, have, have beaten the first two. But So, yeah, all round, there was no humble pie for me here, Remy, because I backed the fur, I backed the winner, and a bit of each way at, at, at some tasty prices on wrapper. Nicely done, Paddy Aspel. That's what we're talking about, getting the gravy um, if it wasn't for that pesky the big breakaway, you'd have got the forecast as well. Brendan Powell gave the big breakaway an absolute cracker because he's he could have given up and he's managed to sit and, and suffer through losing his position after being badly hampered and then nurse him back into the race. I thought he gave an absolute stormer and, and often will praise winning rides, but to get that performance from him, I thought was was really, really good. Um, just a very, very brief word on Easy's Land, who is a bit of a hero of the final furlong in that we were on him the year he won the cross country and then we deserted him as he was going for back-to-back -back, uh, wins and, and Tiger Roll uh, came roaring back to success. So we've been on the right side of this fella. Um, he's a shadow of the horse he was, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, the wheels have just completely come off, haven't they, for whatever reason. Um, and you will always look for some sort of reasons or, or explanation. But at the minute, the only the only way I could sum them up, Emmett, is it's just not happening for him in any shape or form. Uh, but, you know, it won't be the first, it won't be the last horse that it happens to, but for now... Yeah, there's, there's serious question marks. Since he switched to John O'Neill from David Cotan, he has pulled up, pulled up, pulled up, pulled up, dock egg. So at least he completed at the weekend, but 
yeah. Wait for the sea of money to come in from Frankie Tightlips and, and then act, but let's no, proceed with caution with him, I think. Um, Carl Hurdle goes to Goshen. It was a big double on the day for Gary Moore um, and a tremendous success. I did think he was going to run a big race. I didn't expect him to run an eight-length winner, but then again, we were hoping the Constitution Hill was going to be in the race. Um, I, I love this. He's clearly not a chaser. And they reverted to hurdles. He was beaten in this race last year, but he has spectacularly returned to form. Uh, and this was heartwarming. Oh, it certainly was. Um, it really was. I thought Jamie Moore went bang down the paint all the way. And, you know, there was, he didn't even show his tendency to go to his right um, mm. at all or, or look to do it the other day. I mean, he, look, he got a dream run up the inside before it turned in and I just thought it really got this first back on the bridling. Brewing up a storm. I don't know where I'm at with brewing up a storm. I think he is a horse who I spoke about Hitman. For me at times looks a tad wayward and and and, and I'd question his bottle in a sense, but there was definitely far better Evans favourites going around the place on Saturday than, than brewing up a storm because, you know, even he got himself close enough turning in. But, and although, unfortunately, I'd gone against Goshen and backed brewing up a storm, I thought, well, this is a non-event here because if, if thankfully, Aidan Coleman went to his left and wasn't going to go an eyeball the likes of Goshen because there'd only be one winner all day long, but he never even got that close to eyeball mm. Goshen in the finish. And look, it was a great result for the Moore family. And uh, he, he didn't, he didn't quash the idea. Did he afterwards, Gary, of, of running this horse in a uh, back in a, in a, um, in a, a novice chase. But Gary made, he made the point that this horse just, re- he needs really, really bad ground um over fences he, he actually said he, he he'd love if if lingfield was the other way around you know and, and so you're talking literally unraceable ground but unfortunately it's it's the wrong way around for him but um so yeah we could even see him jump a fence again but i think he'd be be very ground dependent um from to get get competitive but great to see him back what a what a what a cracking old horse but and he probably didn't get the credit he deserved, obviously, because we, we, we lost Constitution Hill, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, the Constitution Hill was was the marquee runner, and with him not there, obviously, people are going to be a bit disappointed, but you can't really argue with what he has done. I, I think I think the quote from him on, on Sky was, if it's heavy ground, he'd go for a two-mile chase. Something on those mm-hmm. lines. Uh, and, yeah. and that, I, I think he was mentioning Ascot or, or Kempton, so we'll we'll see how that pans out. Personally, I would keep him over hurdles, but if if they're determined to go for it, then then why not? Uh, and as for Bruno Storm, it clearly wasn't his best form. I did see people making the argument about the good ground, but he's won on good ground, and won mm-hmm. on on good to soft, and run well on good ground before. So I don't know why that suddenly become an issue for him. Um, maybe he was still feeling the effects of the fall, but that was, yeah, it was a bit disappointing. Um, another performance that was disappointing in a bit of a farcical race with Hitman, who would have buried this lot, um, but he had been entered for, for Haydock, uh, Do Your Job came out, Lompress was obviously the, the big one who came out, and we end up with a match between St. Calvados and Cool Cody. I had backed St. Calvados, it was a 
17 to 2, and we were taking on Long Press. And uh, I'm loving life. Loving life. 72 on. Great. Excellent stuff. It's a match race. And oh dear, it's all gone a bit pitong. Um, David Maxwell contributes a lot to racing, but this was not his finest hour in the saddle. Well, I think Paul Nichols summed it up pretty well. Um, you know, look, I know, I know he's paying Paul Nichols plenty of training fees and, and you know he's putting these good horses in training with him so he's, he's got to go, go down this route but I honestly genuinely think he summed it up well when he said you know at the end of the day David does this as a hobby and and, and for the sport he's an amateur rider um, and, and Dave Maxwell doesn't pretend to be anything else you know he's great value in an interview he, and, and he sees he sees the 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 side to it, the, or the funny side to it, that you know people don't really sort of uh, class him as a as a as a jockey, you know, uh, which it, it's it's a commendable attitude to have. But there's no doubt he does put an awful lot into the sport um, financially, and so he's he's entitled to ride these horses himself. But I think in a match race, even no matter even if he is clear on ratings with Selkavados, if you want to weigh into a two to seven shot with an amateur on board against, you know, a real, real hardy horse and cool Cody. I know who, who was turning around pretty quick off a, a disappointing Cheltenham effort, but, you know, he's in against a batting hard rival in cool Cody with a professional jockey and Adam Wedge on board. If, if that's the sort of punting you're doing, it's, it's, for me, it's not good punting. So you've got to, you've got to look at yourself there as well, um, to be honest. But on the day, he tried to drop him in and take a lead, but uh, Saint Cavados took over. He ran very free, and 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 Paul Nichols said that this horse would want, you know, in in the the first event with sort of four or five runners would have been far handier just to drop him in, get a bit of cover, and the horse would have been able to run his race. But he was always going to get tired at some stage the other day, and I think Adam Wedge rode a, a, a splendid race here. He knew that St. Cavadas was certainly the, the petrol tank was going to run low at some stage. And I mean, look, it, he, he won by default in the end. It, it, it wasn't really much of a harsh race in the end. And St. Cavadas got very, very tired. And yeah, it just wasn't, uh, wasn't a great watch on the day. But I think, like I mentioned, Emma, if you were getting involved with a, a Dave Maxwell two to seven shot, I think you could definitely you know, fire better or better arrows than that as far as punting goes. I would very much take that on, on board. I would say or ask you this question. If Adam Wedge is on St. Calvados and David Maxwell is on Cool Cody, does St. Calvados settle better? Um, in a two-horse race, probably not, you know. He's just far too much daylight and and you know, Dave has got one horse to hide him behind. Where yeah, Honestly, I know it sounds silly. Even if you had one more horse there, it just gives you that bit of cover on both sides because no matter which angle he's going to go in behind Cool Cody, this horse is still going to have daylight on one side or the other. Um, and I just think the situation went against him. And I think it, I think if you'd have had both Adam and David on St. Calvados' back, you know, when it comes down to it, if a horse wants to go somewhere, he'll go. Um, he, he, and, a, and a jockey won't win the argument there. That's a very fair point as well. And um, I know that when he looked behind um, 
the in-running market just pretty much imploded. Um, I, I, th- I think the, I think he was tens on, and the first time he looked behind, he went fours on in running. So <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit, little bit tricky. Um, and Cool Cody is not going to be going for handicaps from now on. He's going to stick to these races. And, and well done to the connections. Uh, Boot Hill ends up taking the big handicap chase at Ascot. Um, this was obviously the race where we were going to see Edward Stone. He came out uh, along with Kilty Briggs. Um, third time look, he was a bit disappointing, but we get a, a fine performance from Boot Hill, who beats joint favourite So Scottish. There was a lot of support for Boot Hill beforehand. Great ride from Johnny Burke. And uh, a great training performance, I thought, from Harry Fry. Uh, what did you make of Boot Hill's victory over So Scottish? Yeah, I, I just it's really happening for Boot Hill now. You know, we spoke about Easy Land, a horse that it's not happening for. Whereas Boot Hill, who I think if you look down to his profile, Emmett, he's maybe had one or two training issues or, or, or niggles. It doesn't appear to have been the easiest to, to keep right and keep the wheels on. But he's in a good place at the minute. And this was two wins um, two wins back to back and that was a real cosy win the last day and I just think a real confidence booster for this horse the way he won the last day and so it, it just sort of left the the um, the idea that there was going to be a big day in this horse and that's what it proved but Harry Fry's string are running reasonably well and Johnny Burke is a fellow who's riding with plenty of confidence at the minute, getting some great opportunities off, you know, some different trainers now. And he's a very, very solid rider who doesn't do an awful lot wrong. He's not too flash. But one thing's for sure, he doesn't be in the wrong place very often. And yeah, I know he's getting on some better horses now, but, you know, there's a reason for that. And yeah, I thought he was very good on, on, on Boot Hill and he wasn't hard on him. And uh, he did that the other day off a mark of 140. So he's definitely a horse that's progressing. He is, because of the training issues, Emmett, he is still relatively unexposed for a seven-year-old Boot Hill. But let's just hope that he stays sound and he stays right. Because I'd, I'd say Harry Fry's got a, got a pretty capable horse on his hands here because, yeah, there was maybe one or two that underperformed in behind him. But Boot Hill certainly didn't. No, and that's two wins in a row now for him. He was thought good enough to come over to compete in the Galway hurdle, um, or to at least run at Galway, I should say, um, which is something to bear in mind too. You're not going to come over there unless you, you think you've got a genuine chance of being able to go and win. And um, yeah, every reason to think that he's going to be able to, to kick on. As for So Scottish, he was going for four in a row, two of those wins over fences. I suspect it's just the lack of experience that, that did for him, but they're going to be, Emmett Mullins is going to be pretty pleased walking away with 29 grand, close to 30k for, for second place. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was a good bit of place. Well done to him for, for coming over. And, you know, he's still only a five-year-old, so Scottish. And I think if you look back at the race that he won prior to that, at Carlisle, you know, he went off very, very skinny odds that day. And, you know, he gave punters a real scare. So he's still not the finished article. So Scottish, I know he got the job done at Carlisle. And the other day, I think it's fair to say he ran in under the second last a little bit. And that definitely halted his momentum because, you know, he's hit the line pretty strong. He was only beaten a length and a quarter. He certainly wouldn't have put him as close to the winner as that when you see him where he came from turning in. Um, so, yeah, there's going to be better days ahead for So Scottish for sure. And, you know, So Scottish comes from a stable who, at the minute as well, 
their horses, they're just a bit patchy. And Emmett Mullen said that himself. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're more than not, are just not turning up and running the races. But you certainly can't say that about so Scottish. So maybe you could sort of, sort of enhance that performance the other day, considering the stables runners have been more missed than hit of late. Yeah, well, Thousand Stars, who people were jumping up and down about in the Greatwood, uh, Thousand Tears even, Thousand Stars, obviously a former county hurdle winner and all um, uh, full of hurricane flies. Uh, Thousand Tears came out again and, and ran a cork and bombed. Had to be pulled up, so an unseated rider, but made a bad mistake when when Conor Clark was was ejected unceremoniously and wasn't exactly overly strong in the market. Was back from eights to sixes, but considering the horse had been anti post favourite for the Great Wood, wasn't exactly great. So yeah, it, it is something that Emmett has, has addressed, and I think it's very much worth bearing in mind as well. As some of them just don't seem to be really doing it right now. Um, but he's an incredibly talented trainer and more success will come his way. Um, Queensbrook is apparently a nightmare to get fit and she was quite disappointing on her seasonal reappearance at Limerick, but she's bounced back very, very well to go and win uh, another listed race and uh, put six lengths between herself and a very, very smart heaven help us. What did you make of Queensbrook's win? Yeah, no, very pleasing. Um, It was a a good day and a, a good weekend all around, wasn't it, um, for the team. But I think Queensbrook obviously has always been held in quite high regard. And, yeah, look, probably going to have to step forward again, but certainly looks like a little bit of a, a work in progress. I think it, it's fair to say, but has always shown that there is a massive engine there, for sure, with Queensbrook. But, yeah, we just like, for now, would like to to just see Queensbrook to to keep progressing and going along the lines that she is at the minute. Um, but not pretty good and, and hard to crib the performance at all. And another big winner for Gordon was Absolute Notions, who was a bit of a surprise, but a stylish winner of the Land Rover bumper, um, making his hurdling debut and did so very impressively, beating a £235,000 acquisition in Deep Cave. I liked the performance from both. I think Deep Cave will will take a maiden hurdle at least. Um, but Absolute Notions was, was really good here. And I'm sure that the Elliott team will be getting a little bit excited about him. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's a good story, isn't it? Because, you know, the, the when Absolute Notions won at... Um, at the track earlier in the year, won the Land Rover bumper, you know, at the, at the first time of asking um, and connections. I think I think it was actually that that very day or the following day. Obviously, went through the the sales ring there and 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 they, they had a real good sale with absolute notion. So there was obviously plenty they, of expectation. They bought, him, they bought him for sixty grand and they flipped him for three hundred and seventy thousand. Yeah, it was a great turn, wasn't it? It Brilliant. really was. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and um, and still only a four-year-old. Absolute notions, but I just really liked the way he hit the line um, because he looked for a stride or two. That you know, both Davy on on Deep Cave, and and I thought that the third horse here was a real eye catcher in Joshua Deflo. Yeah. Uh, wasn't beaten very far at all, and well, for me turning in, I thought the biggest danger was going to be Joshua. The flow, but still very, very solid run. And I thought 
that that's that's good form because Benno was beaten nearly twenty two lengths. You know, that's a fair horse back and forth. So the, the, these first three, I think, are pre- pretty solid animals on the front end here. And yeah, but connections be chuffed with absolute notions. But obviously, when they've got these price tags attached as as to what absolute notions had, there's straight away there's pressure. Yeah. Um, but I thought past that test at the weekend with, with flying colours and yeah, just just a cracking weekend for the Elliott stable all around. A terrific weekend for them. And based on what Gordon was saying in interviews afterwards and just how the race unfolded, I'd be going up and trip. Like if he's a Cheltenham prospect, potato race would be what I would be thinking of right now. Uh, as opposed to anything else, I don't think he's he's a Ballymore horse. I'd be going up with him. Would you agree with that, or would you think differently? Oh no, definitely. I thought he's he's hit the line very very strong. Um, absolutely no worries there at all, and just looks a very, very straightforward horse more than anything. Um, plenty of raw ability there, and I think we've got to remember still only a four year old. Yeah. Um, speaking of only a four year old, Digello is the other winner for Venetia Williams. Uh, I'd heard a bit about this horse. Um, he looked to be thrown in for his handicap debut, and that's exactly how it's panned out. Just a seven and a half length win on his stable debut for Venetia Williams on only his second ever career start. Um, I like this an awful lot, and I, I suspect that this is going to be a horse who will be competing in, in very high quality handicaps and probably graded company. What did you make of Digello's? UK debut. Yeah, really good. Uh, really good. And, you know, it was just Charlie Deutsch's body language the whole way through the race. He, he obviously just felt that he had an awful lot of horse underneath him. Um, and that opening mark, I'd say it was, it was again, difficult enough for the, for the handicapper to, to try and get an angle on this fella. But one fourteen certainly yesterday looked very, very generous because same thing again, you know, there was there was some reasonable rivals that were well beaten here. Second heart or Dudery looked very, very promising. And also the third horse of Anthony Honeyballs, Norton Hill. You know, these aren't bad horses. Um so yeah, that was that was really good. Same colours as Venetia's winner on Saturday as well. And you know it, it just shows you how quick it turns around, Emmett, because going forward, if Venetia's got any runners today or tomorrow, you know, when when we're assessing her runners, we'll now be saying for the informed Venetia Williams because <laughs> she, she, she's had she's had two winners. That that's just what we do, don't we? But no, I think I think you're bang on to, to highlight that winner yesterday, Jello. Really, really taken and another one. Still only a four-year-old in against some older and more experienced rivals yesterday, but absolutely kicked them out of the way. Yeah, we handpicked the horses that we're going to look back on. And look, there was plenty that we could have talked about, but I, I think this is a very, very interesting horse for the rest of the season and definitely will be competing in graded races, but I think is capable of winning uh, and certainly a, a very valuable handicap as well. Given his lack of experience, that was very impressive. Um, Dino Blue, I'm reminded of the Cheltenham preview I, I, I did earlier this year, um, the bullishness coming out of the Mullins camp about Dino Blue for the Mare's Hurdle. It was almost as though she just had to line up 
and it didn't quite pan out that way. She was sent off the 11 8 favourite for the Mare's Hurdle and bombed. Um, she finished 9th of 19, beaten 17 links. But the regard has always been there, and they've switched her to chasing. She's won at Cork, uh, beating a fellow owner horse in Rosie's Hollow by three and a quarter lengths. And I suspect that Mare's chase at Cheltenham is going to be the overall target for her, and they'll probably be getting a little bit excited about that now. Uh, what did you make of Dino Blue? Yeah, no, I think they'd be entitled to to get excited. Um, I'm just quite impressed by the way she went through the race. Always very comfortable, um, put in a good round of fencing. Um, you know, when Lou was asking for his effort and asked her to stretch up the straight, she went off to her right a little bit, but that's just picking holes, to be honest. Um, you know, she had the, the damage done. I know she's in against her own sex here, but still very, very difficult to knock her. Another one still... You know, it's still early days, only a five-year-old. Uh, Rosie's Hollow the second is an eight-year-old, um, but not very, very good. And connections would have been absolutely chuffed to bits with that. It, it, it was a good start and, yeah, a, a lot to like. Because, you know, I think pro- people may be underestimated, but Cork's a bit of a, a, a jumping test. You know, it's yeah. quite a flat track. Then fences appear to come up at them quite quick. And, and the fences in the straight especially do catch an awful lot of horses out and you see plenty of horses on the floor around Cork um, up the straight in particular but uh, Dino Blue very sure-footed yesterday and yeah another one should continue to progress hopefully very much so and you would be expecting her to be a big player by the time the Spring Festival comes round but um, without wanting to get too carried away yes she should be favoured <laughs> for there's Jason Cheltenham uh, let's, not, let's not get too carried away shall we but I wouldn't be surprised if that's exactly what bookmakers have done. Uh, which brings me to our Triumph Hurdle recruit of the week. Is this becoming a new feature in the show? Why not? Uh, Nurset, who was rated 89 on the flash, made his uh, his jumping debut at the weekend. And I, I love this. Uh, I, I love this a lot. I thought there was an awful lot to like about this performance. Uh, he's ended up a six-length winner at Punchestown. What did you make of... Uh, Nurset for Joseph O'Brien, who obviously is very, very talented when it comes to all horses, but juvenile hurdlers, he's a real knack with. Yeah, I mean, the thing about, the most taken thing I would say about Nurset yesterday was, you know, turning in, if somebody stopped the race and said to you, right, there's your winner, and point him out and say, and he's going to win by six lengths, you would have said, no, I don't think so, you know, unless there's there's carnage around them. Um, that was probably the most taken thing. You no, know, once once Dar really got this fella running, he absolutely flew from the back of the last. Um and that was that was the most taken thing. I'm a big fan of the sire in Golden Horn. And mm-hmm. another thing to take from the interview that Dar Jacob had made that he'd sat on this horse at home, um, you know, was really, really taken with him. And yeah, I thought that was, that, that was good. You know, we've not seen Dar go to Ireland much to, to ride for his retainer, you know, especially when, when the ones in Willie's, you know, cause obviously Willie just insists that the Paul Townend rides them. But, um, you know, when he is required to go over, we should definitely the ones outside of Willie's, we should possibly take note. I know the Crawfords have got a few, but, you know, Joseph's got a string and real good nick again at the minute. And interesting that they fetched him over to ride Nuzret in, you know, what was a pretty busy day in the in, in the UK. But 
uh, good choice. And this is a horse definitely I could see staying further than this, still only a juvenile, as we know. Yeah, I think the point about Daryl coming over to Ireland is, is well made. He did come over to Galway, I think it was Galway, for a Stuart Crawford horse, which was pretty much a, a tip in itself, and the horse ended up winning at a pretty backable price. But this was this was impressive to come over for, for this fella. Uh, and in a year where anything for Cheltenham gets caught pretty much instantly by sportsbooks, like I've said, I said this last week that if Willie Mullins coughs while saying a horse's name, the horse is instantly cut for for Cheltenham. Uh, for this fellow to be introduced at twenties for the Triumph Hurdle, I don't have any interest in backing him, but I would be much more interested in backing him at twenties than the unraced Willie Mullins horse at nines. Thanks very much, and I wouldn't be at all mm. surprised if he emerges as a leading Triumph Hurdle contender. We need to see an awful lot more, but that point you made about the visual impression that was created in the John Lynch Carpets three-year-old hurdle, that if you'd stopped it rounding the final bend and you said, is he going to win by six lengths? There's a horse in this race who's going to win by six lengths. Who is it? I'd have been asking, how good is the crack you're on? Like, that's not going to happen. Uh, and yet it's exactly what happened. He's he's travelled beautifully and he's put the bed to race very impressively. I, I would be getting quite excited about him. And I, I don't know what the plan is with him, but if he was to turn up at Leopardstown at Christmas time for the, the grade one... I would be delighted to see him there, and and he would be a major, major player. He he's a very exciting horse for the rest of the season. Him, yeah, and you know, he only managed to win one race on the flat, but they'd never ran him over the maximum. You know, he'd never run run over two miles on the level. This mm. horse, uh, this is the first time he'd hit two mile, and for me, although he 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 did travel extremely well, he absolutely flew from the back of the last, you know, and, and uh, I think this horse, even now as a three-year-old, he'd appear to me like he'd get two and a half stood on his head. So, yeah, I, I think I think in time, um, whatever he does now over the, the minimum, um, there's, he's probably a horse who, who could continue to progress as, as they, they stretch him out tripwise. Yeah, and Joseph had Good Heavens, who was rated 101 on the flat, and Park Roach had Sundial, ex-Aiden O'Brien, maiden winner on the flat, and they were all blown away. Um, so there was there was interesting recruits in this race, and Nurset has put them all to bed. So I like him an awful lot, and I think he's definitely a horse to be following for the rest of the season. Um, we'll, we'll see how it unfolds for him. Who was the... Who was the horse that you're interested in backing next time out that we saw over the weekend? The very first winner over jumps on Saturday, Tamaris. Oh, yes. Uh, beat Sizing Potsy. Yeah, Tamaris. And, you know, I was absolutely gutted when I seen the entries because I really like Lucinda's horse, who was third, Snake Roll. Now, when I seen the entries, I thought, I hope they're not both declared because when I seen Tamaris win at Chepstow, where it was just a typical novice hurdle where there was loads of eye catchers, all the big stables represented, but this fella absolutely smashed them, even though, you know, there was some eye catchers in behind. And uh, the biggest thing that day for me, Emmett, was that Noel Fahili and Dave Cross, they were at Chepstow. Now, I think they, they've bought extremely wisely with the, these syndicate horses that they have. They're very... You know, they go around, they sit on these horses before they buy them. So they they buy well, they buy wisely. But they were in attendance at Chepstow that day. 
And the camera focused in on them afterwards, the reaction. And it wasn't, you know, obviously the horses won, they're going to be chuffed. But they looked to me incredibly relieved because this horse, uh, it, like it was a third star for Nichols, but he was really starting to show them. And what the impression I was getting was he is actually as good as what we think he is. Mm. You know, the, the, the just gaining from from what, what I could see from their reaction afterwards. So straight away, he went in my notebook. I thought this fella could be pretty good. Um, and there's a friend up the road from me who has a stud and he's hoping to actually get the sire Falco pretty shortly um, mm. to, to stand him. Yeah, with Kingston Hill, and he's got a few others there. So I had actually flagged him up. I said, "You've got to watch this Tamaris that won it, at Chepstow." Um, so and after he watched it, so he was straight on the phone to his man, who's got Falco, and 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 trying to trying to you know pull pull the pull the appropriate strings to 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 get hold of him. Um, so it was a good day for Falco because obviously he he had Tamaris and he had um, Hitman, who's another Falco. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was a great day for Falco, but just getting back to Tamaris, the way he did it the, the other day, you know, size and potsy, there was plenty of people tipping up size and potsy. The money the for him was huge. Uh, look, I mean, I, we said it on Thursday's show, like David Pipe is in red hot form right now, but the, the money that was coming for him was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it really wasn't. You know, the thing is, they, they shelled out plenty of money to get hold of him. I know I was... You know, it was a little bit of a non-event that he won up at air, but he won it in a hack canter. Yeah. And, you know, because he's in, in, in the hands he is, you just thought, well, oh, they, they could really sort of uh, reinvent this fella, size and potsy. Um, but the, uh, Tamaris beat him five and a half. And then Snake Roll was just in my head. But Snake Roll for me, I, I thought he ran well because he is very raw and, and probably mentally a good bit behind the first two, so I wasn't disappointed at all in, in Snake Roll. But for me, out of the whole weekend, I I, I thought Tamaris. I, I think yeah, I think he's a, he's a, he's a proper airplane, Emmett. Yeah, I and that's something to bear in mind. Uh, Paddy being quite excited about this horse that he's an airplane because I didn't think the quotes for Cheltenham were, f- were fanciful at all, and I was very uh, my ears pricked when Paul Nichols said this is one of our better novice hurdlers. I mean, you could see it in the visual impression of how he had done it. Like, he was very, very stylish in his win. Um, yeah. And, and considering how much money was coming in for Sizing Potsy, to, to, and Sizing Potsy was bought by the Pipe Yard to be a Saturday horse. Like, these are the kind of races he's going to be running in. They can run him in Novice Hurdles. They can run him in Chases. He was due to go to Cheltenham last week. They put him in here instead. Um, and they've come away with a lot of prize money. Uh, they paid 95 grand to get hold of him. And he will win more races for them. But this fella brushed him aside. And, and yeah, he's- and, and the, the thing is, you know, Emmett, he should really be unbeaten because mm-hmm. on his first run for Nichols of Foss last, he literally bolted in his bumper, and yeah. he he was beaten in neck. Um, he was just far too fresh. He hadn't run for two hundred odd days, just far too fresh. So with a bit more luck. And even another, you know, um, another another stride less. This horse would be four from four. One is point, one is bumper, or uh, one is two bumper, should I say? And now two over hurdles. But yeah, honestly, I I think he's he's a proper bit of kit. And it's Grade One company for him next because he goes for the Tallworth. So as things stand, he's very much a, a supreme 
novice hurdle level contender. We'll see more horses are going to emerge between now and then, but he needs to be very high on people's list. And if you didn't see it for some reason, go back and, and watch that race again. It was it was a very impressive performance, uh, opening race at Haydock. Um, my horse to take out of the weekend with a view to backing next time is is DiGello. Uh, D-J-E-L-O, the Venetia Williams horse. It was embarrassingly impressive. It was absolutely stunning. Charlie Deutsch was looking around for dangers, approaching the last. There were none. He, the only danger was himself, and he pinged the last. Um, he has won embarrassingly easily. He was thrown into handicap company. That's only his second lifetime start. I would be very, very excited by him. And um, I, I think wherever Venetia Williams decides to go with him, follow him. Follow that horse over a cliff. DiGello would be uh, my take-out horse from the weekend. Um, look, hopefully we're going to have a, a good weekend's racing and, and not a multitude of non-runners again. We've got the the Hennessy. The Hennessy. We'll stick with that name. Thank you very much. Um, the Coral Gold Cup, or Hennessy, as it's better known. We've got that to look forward to. We've got the Fighting Fifth, where will Constitution Hill be rerouted there? I doubt it. I very much doubt it. Uh, I would suspect that it will be Epiton, who gets to take in that race, but maybe he'll make his debut alongside her. We'll, we'll see how that pans out, uh, and we'll preview it for you on Thursday. And looking forward to having you back on the show, and indeed teaming up with you again on, on TalkSport 2. Extended hours now for, for TalkSport 2 going forward, so uh, that's going to be a, a lot of fun. The World Cup is coming along to get in our way between now and uh, and the new year, but we've got plenty of, of broadcast days coming up, and uh, longer shows, Paddy, so more work ahead, and we're looking forward to that. Yeah, certainly plenty to go at, but like you say, um, it hopefully, hopefully, exciting times ahead. Yeah, um, let, let's take a a better look at things than a more negative one, shall we? We can try to be excited about what we're going to see. We got the Troy Town at Navin as well, so please God, it'll all uh, play out quite well. But yeah, the weekend was frustrating. There's no point in trying to hide away from that. I did see some people saying, "Can we not be positive about racing? Can we not try and get away from the negativity?" It's very difficult to get away from negativity when you're seeing what happened on Saturday. Uh, it was already going to be small fields and it just became an embarrassment. And I think we're doing a disservice to everybody if we try to just put a positive spin on everything and be like, oh, it's all great, it's all happy, everything's fine. No, it, it's not. There's major problems in British racing. And, um, and that's not healthy. But there's been a governance restructure of the BHA, thankfully, if they want to cut 300 races, they won't be blocked now. They can do that. Uh, and the signs are positive. So there's plenty of things to be excited about, but you got to call it out when you see it. Uh, Paddy, looking forward to talking to you again on TalkSport and right here on the final furlong as well. Really enjoyed your company today. Good stuff. Thanks for having me, Emmett. And hope you enjoyed the show as well. Hit him with the retweet on Twitter, like, share on social media. Uh, all helps the algorithm. It's been a huge year for the final furlong podcast and we announce our new sponsor next week. We're excited about that. Very excited about it. Uh, to welcome them on board, and hopefully you'll be enjoying the content uh, supported by them as well. We're looking forward to it. But yeah, from me and the team, uh, Mark and I are back on Thursday. Paddy's back with us very soon as well. Be safe. Be well. Look after yourself. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. God bless. <laughs>